Hello and welcome to Rye Toast. It is 1984, the year that the Edmonton Oilers and Wayne Gretzky win the first of their five Stanley Cups in seven years. Cirque du Soleil is founded in Montreal and Mark Garneau becomes the first Canadian in space aboard the Space Shuttle Challenger. It is the year that Liverpool win the European Cup and are Football League champions. Alas, Tottenham can only manage eighth place. It is the year of Purple Rain and Prince, of Ghostbusters, of Sixteen Candles, and of Beverly Hills Cop, which makes Eddie Murphy the biggest movie star in the world. And it is the year in which Madeline and I travel to Rome to attend the largest toga party to be held in that city since the days of the ancient Romans. This is the story of how we got there, the people who helped, and the lessons learned along the way. So let's begin by rewinding one year to the summer of 1983 in Orlando, Florida at the Wang Worldwide Achievers Club. Wang is a manufacturer of computers and word processors. My first year selling for them has been tough but successful and has been rewarded with a trip to the annual event, which this year is being held at Disney World in Florida. Madeline and I get to bring 14-year-old Kim and 11-year-old Andrea too, and we're in the company of thousands of other Wang families just like ours from around the world. The multi-day event is part business meeting for we sales folk and part all-expense-paid luxury vacation. One night, Universal Studios theme park is closed to the public so that we can have a private company barbecue and the exclusive run of the attractions. On another night, we are treated to a sumptuous dinner event with entertainment provided by Donnie and Marie Osmond. All of this culminates in an awards banquet presided over by the legendary CEO of the company, Dr. Anne Wang. As I take my turn to go on stage to accept my award, I reflect that this is the first time I have ever shaken the hand of a billionaire. The event is lavish. It is luxurious and it is unashamedly designed to motivate us to do even better next year so that we can come back for another taste of the good life. And it works, because soon after we return home, the location for the 1984 event is revealed. Rome. I come home with the news. Madeline looks me straight in the eye and declares, We're going! A day or two later, a letter from the company arrives at home, outlining details and enclosing a brochure which explains how the Rome trip is going to surpass all others in honouring the top salespeople. My wife's eyes open ever wider as she reads the material. This time she turns to me and she says, We are definitely going. And I enthusiastically agree. So I diligently set to work, connecting with my existing customers, contacting new companies, and generally doing all the things a good salesman does to get business. Wang's 1984 financial year begins on July 1st, 1983. So we're in the first quarter, which is the summer, and typically slow. By the end of September, I am behind on my quota, but I have a healthy sales pipeline and tell myself that it's early days yet. I'll catch up in the second quarter. But now, business I thought was secure begins to drop away or is delayed. Company budgets are being cut, deals are lost to competition, and the outlook begins to look less certain. Mark, our branch manager, has posted a map on the office wall with a straight line drawn from Toronto across eastern Canada over the Atlantic and Western Europe to Rome. 
The progress of each sales rep's journey is shown, and I haven't even reached the coast of Canada when I should be halfway over the ocean. And what's worse is that every day my public failure is on display for all to see. And I'm not the only one. I can see that others in my office are already discouraged by the task. So by Christmas, when Madeline asks me how it's going, I have to admit I am in deep doo-doo. I need to step back. I need to take a deep breath and reflect on my situation. I begin to painstakingly review every step, tactic, move and decision that I've been taking to find out where I've been going wrong. And although there are always lessons to be learned and improvements to be made, I still conclude that I am substantially doing all the right things. And I know that I'm putting in the hours and the effort. So why isn't it working? Well, if there's one thing that I've learned, it is that there are times in sales, as in life, when you can do everything right and it still doesn't work. Success often has its own schedule and sometimes it just demands time. But do I have time? Is there enough potential business in my pipeline to make my goal? I go back again and assess every possible opportunity and it becomes crystal clear to me that there just isn't enough there. And based on what I know about the length of time it takes to find and nurture new business deals, I don't see any way I can make it. So what to do when you're working as hard as you can, doing everything right, and the situation seems increasingly hopeless? I need some advice. I need a plan, but where to turn? My fellow salespeople are mostly in the same pickle as me, so no point in asking them. But I do have access to something better, a stack of books and tapes by renowned sales success authors and motivators. People like Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Morris Massey, Napoleon Hill, and others. But my hands-down favorite is Jim Rohn, and he has a particular saying that I absolutely love. As he would say in his Iowa drawl, it's not my drinking that's got me stinking, it's my stinking thinking that's got me drinking. So step one of my plan is to banish any stinking thinking. I will not allow myself to become despondent. I will stay positive. The situation seems hopeless, but as baseball legend Yogi Berra is famously reputed to have said, it ain't over till it's over. If the 1973 Yankees can come from 11 and a half games behind to win the division pennant, why can't I win my personal pennant? I have made a commitment to Madeline and will not give up on that without a fight to the end. Step two is to reinforce that commitment vocally and visually every day. I am going to Rome will become my constant affirmation. I will also change the meaning of the map on the wall. It will now become my motivator because when I look at it, I will visualize my arrival every single day. Step three is to make a public commitment. So at the beginning of January 1984, I knock on the door of my manager. Mark, of course, is already aware of my dilemma. So I tell him of my thought process and explain that I am totally committed to going to Rome and I will be working like stink to make it. He assures me that he is behind me 100% and then let him know whatever I need. And step four is to get into action, to double down on doing what I know is right. I am not about to change which has brought me success in the past. But as January turns to February, 
nothing much changes. I am bringing in enough business to get me over the coast on the map, but only just, and although I am moving forward, I am still falling further behind where I need to be. Yes, I am disappointed, but I refuse to be downhearted and just carry on heads down with my work and my affirmation in all its variations. I am going to Rome. 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 Despite all this, as the third quarter winds down and April approaches, I am still trailing. Then two interesting and unexpected things happen. I have been trying unsuccessfully to arrange a meeting with American Motors, whose Canadian subsidiary is based in Brampton, just outside Toronto. One day, I receive a call from a colleague in Detroit. He tells me he is about to close a worldwide deal with the company's head office, which will involve some systems being installed locally, which I will get credit for. In sales talk, we call that a bluebird, because it flies in the window. But boy, had I ever worked hard to open that window. Then I get a call from closer to home, from two floors below me to be exact, from Roshan in accounting, who has responsibility for billing equipment leases. One of my existing accounts, General Motors Canada, has a large amount of our equipment on lease, and I'm already getting credit for the small monthly billings. But Roshan points out that it would now make financial sense for them to buy out those leases. He helps me to put together the proposal. GM quickly agrees to it, and that generates a considerable sale that I haven't forecasted. I could kiss Roshan, but I settle for just getting him a gift of appreciation. Then he surprises me by saying that he wouldn't have made the suggestion to other salespeople. I know that many of my colleagues are often in conflict with him as they see him as inflexible and dogmatic. But I have dealt with Roshan before and appreciate his attention to detail. We have always shown each other respect. I quite like him. And it turns out the feeling is mutual. These two surprises don't make my numbers by themselves. But now the logjam begins to break. Some delayed deals start to flow through. And with a few other small pieces of business, I am able to cobble together enough to put me comfortably across the finish line by the end of May with a full month to spare. My visualization of the map now becomes a reality and I can go home and give Madeline a hug and the good news. She has never for a moment pressured me despite my long hours throughout that year and I know the look on her face will make it all worthwhile. She deserves it. She is my reason why. So on a warm August evening at the Hilton Hotel in Rome, Madeline and I are getting dressed in Roman style togas Soon we will descend to the hotel lobby and will step onto a chartered bus which will join a convoy of dozens of other buses transporting us through the narrow streets of the ancient city and up into the hills to an enormous villa which will host the thousands of us at what we are told is the largest toga party to be held in Rome since the days of the ancient Roman Empire. It is a moment to enjoy and savour, never to be forgotten. But over the years, that moment becomes eclipsed by the enduring lessons from the experience of getting there. 1984 was the year I truly came to realize that life is a journey, not a destination, and that the struggle is to be welcomed and embraced because it inspires us to greater heights and makes the achievement so much sweeter. And now for the story behind the story.
I never imagined I would become a salesman, let alone a successful one. But a good friend and colleague thought I had potential and encouraged me. He taught me how important it is to recognize and acknowledge people's abilities and to help them nurture what they may not even see in themselves. I never did need to call on the direct help of my manager, but he was wholehearted in his encouragement and support, and I knew he would be there for me if needed. Madeline and I and our daughters later became close friends with Mark, Isabel and their daughters. My unexpected benefactor, Roshan, was from Iran and rumoured to have had some high position in the Iranian civil service under the Shah, who was deposed in the 1979 revolution. We reunited over coffee a few years ago and still occasionally correspond. I was reminded of my Rome affirmation in 2017, when 15-year-old grandson Josh's baseball team was competing in a tournament for the honour of representing Ontario at the national final in Prince Edward Island. He kept repeating, I'm going to PEI, I'm going to PEI, I'm going to PEI. He delivered the winning pitch in the deciding game. The trip to Rome truly met the expectations set by that brochure that dropped through our mailbox a year earlier. The only disappointment was that we weren't allowed to bring Kim and Andrea this time. Like most tourists, we captured our memories in photographs of ourselves against the backdrop of famous Roman sites. The Colosseum, the Forum, the Vatican, the Trevi Fountain, we would return to the Eternal City for the first time 34 years later with 14-year-old granddaughter Emily, who helped us recreate those photographs against the same backgrounds and to create a whole new generation of shared memories. And finally, 1984 is a year of social and political turmoil in Italy, which results in Dr. Wang not attending the event for security reasons. And so, to date, as far as I know, I have never again shaken the hand or even been in the same room as a billionaire. Until next time, this is Rytoast. Right